Welcome to the Ghostwriter and Pup Podcast, a little show about the creative conversations and stories that matter the most to today's up-and-coming writers, artists, innovators, and creators all around the world. I'm Jody Aberdeen. And welcome to episode two of this special journal series of the Ghostwriter and Pup Podcast. Recording this a little earlier in the morning, so I'm trying to keep my voice a little bit low, uh, just to avoid uh, waking up the others in my house. So it's uh, not the most high energy morning as I record this. It is May the twelfth, twenty twenty, but it's beautiful outside, and so I want to continue with this journal series, and let's see what lessons and well, just any useful insights for you as a writer and creator that we can extract out of this particular entry. So um, the format, uh, of course, for uh, for those of you who didn't hear the first episode, is very simple. I write one page uh, in my journal, which is a ruled 8 by 10, I believe, uh, you know, ruled ruled journal. So I've handwritten one page. And my goal is to reinstate this practice, which I had been doing with regularity for months, but was interrupted just prior to the outbreak of COVID-19 and everything else that's kind of happened with it. Journaling is one of the most important exercises you can do. It's one of the most useful tools for certain outcomes, like breaking writer's block, getting catharsis for certain ideas. It's also just a really great way to, well, just to, it just feels good a lot of the time, as I mentioned, catharsis. So without further ado, I'm going to read what I've written this morning for journal number two. So it's interesting now to write these one-pagers in the journal, knowing that I'm going to read them out loud and broadcast them via the podcast later. Part of any writer's decision-making process should always involve the question, do I really want other people to see this? It's not even a matter of preventing bad writing from proliferating out into the world. That's going to happen no matter what. But rather, it's about the impact of your words. Are you using your medium for good? And which, quote-unquote, good? Who's good? How do you define goodness and good anyway? It's shaping up to be a busy day for me. I have three Zoom calls, an errand to run. I have to pick up flea and heartworm medication for my dog at the vet's. And the presentation on ghostwriting to start and finished for my local Chamber of Commerce networking group. Looking around at this house, my lifestyle, my work, I see, not for the first time, that I am well into living the life that I dreamed about years ago when I was working 9 to 5 and had financial stability and benefits and security. But felt nearly dead inside most of the time. I remember one boss that I had from one of my temp assignments 
remarking on how often I spent my shifts sighing every 10 to 15 minutes in between calls. What I do now is still a little unstable. Feast or famine with little periods sort of in the middle. But that's part of the adventure. Even then, I work to live. I don't live for this. It's only one thing that I'm on this planet in this life to do. All right, so a few insights from this one. So first, I've noticed, uh, obviously, yes, this, this entry is not, well, it's not a private journal. It is very self-conscious. If you're journaling, more likely than not, you're putting a lot of stuff that's private, deeply personal onto the page. And that's stuff you don't want to share. And that's okay. So this particular entry, I was a little self-conscious when I was writing it. In fact, I started right after that end point, I started doing a private entry that I'm not going to read. That's just for me. And that only lasted maybe a few paragraphs. Now, I'm not going to say what it was, but I can give you the flavor of it. It's A lot of the time when I write like that, for me, it's venting. It's me being grouchy. It's me saying stuff like, oh, I, don't, I wish I slept more, or I wish this wasn't like that, or I'm so angry at such and such, or I'm so sad at this, or I'm so worried about that. Um, that's essentially the private stuff in a nutshell. That's not quite what I wrote this morning, but... Once again, that decision-making process that you should have as a writer, does this matter, what I'm saying? Well, let me rephrase it better, because it, whether it matters or not is really up to you. Um, but should I be putting this out into the world? That's another question. The other part of it, too, right? So the self-conscious part of it, the, the, the other part is that um, because I'm self-conscious about it, I noticed that as I was reading this out, I've changed a few words than what I wrote, which defeats some of the purpose of the exercise, but I suppose that's another discovery. If you find that you're never quite happy with how something you've written turns out, and you feel that there's something wrong with that, let me assure you there's nothing. I am constantly revising my word choices in my head right up until the moment I either speak it or write it. My journal entries have scribbles every two to three sentences because midway through writing it, I realized it was the wrong word. And that's totally normal. It's completely natural. It's a little bit of a sign. <laughs> it's a sign of a little bit of perfectionism. But it's not uncommon and it's not strange. And you know what? Even if it was, screw those other people, what they think. This is part of your process. There's a certain radical self-acceptance that you have to cultivate if you're going to do anything creative. And that means just accepting the fact that you're going to be one of those weird people. In fact, that you already are one of those weird people. <laughs> so when you can accept that not completely necessarily but at least a little kernel of, of self-acceptance of how weird you really are for doing those you can proceed writing is a weird thing it is 
a combination of your own self-expression, but it, because it's in a written medium, you also run up against other people's approval and understanding, which means you can't quite express yourself the way that you want to. If you're, if you're a painter and you do abstraction, for example, or if you're a sculptor, or, you know, those are fairly, you can, there seems to be a bit more freedom because you're not expressing yourself in a way that conveys linear language the way that writing does. So you don't necessarily need everybody's approval to paint what you want. You can do what you, you, you can do what you feel like. Or to sculpt, or to, to 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 sculpt something out of clay, or to make something out of metal, or whatever. You can. You don't need to. Hinge on other people's understanding of what you do if you have an idea and it speaks to you to express it. With writing, it's a little different. So yeah, that's one thing I noticed. You know, self-correcting happens all the time. Uh, what else is worthy of covering? Uh, the the writing lifestyle. So there's a certain. Yeah, it's a it's a never ending mountaintop from what I've seen. My observations and interests in things like the culinary scene, for example, or you know where chefs and cooks and restaurant owners never seem to they achieve great success and then they don't they're they're never satisfied. You know that's their version of the hedonic treadmill, I suppose, but. There's a certain preconception in our society that at some point you've quote-unquote made it. And that doesn't mean that necessarily anything creative. I mean, the standards for success in Western culture, suburban culture especially, which is where I was raised, is can be boiled down to four things. The, the house, the spouse, the cars, the kids, and a stable job that pays for all of it. And this is the story that we're told, especially the generation prior to us, two generations before the baby boomers. You grew up with this 1950s imagery of what it's supposed to be like. And what it looks like is, again, like uh, somebody's at home, usually mommy, cooking food and taking care of the kids and looking after that. And dad's gone off to work in the big city. And it's just the routine that you follow, and then you get the weekends off, and you save up money, and you go on a yacht trip, and you do that for 30 years, they retire, you get a watch, you get a pension, and at some point, you drop dead. But you made it. <laughs> that lifestyle, I tried fitting that into, I tried fitting into that mold, and it didn't work. I tried for many years. I'm stubborn, I'm a stubborn a-hole when I want to be. And that often meant that, you know, so I, I tried to make it work because that's what I was told. And in the end, it destroyed my relationship. So it destroyed my marriage, for starters. It contributed to that. It wrecked me financially. It wrecked me psychologically, mental from a mental health standpoint, definitely. And so here's the reality of what I do now. And it took years to get here. I'm not going to go into all the in-betweens on this session, but... I am perpetually financially unstable. I rent a house instead of own it. And I share it with housemates to help offset the costs, as many people do in the city. I never know if a client's going to fire me. 
I never know where my next clients are coming from necessarily, despite all the marketing. I am home most of the time. I should be exercising. There's times, even pre-quarantine, I wasn't really talking to people for days, although I've, I've started networking since, uh, in person as well as online. And there's a great deal of uncertainty. The things that I want in life are pretty... They're not that lofty, actually. Homeownership of a nice classic house, a garden, finding my soulmate, maybe having kids, rescuing another dog or two. They're not that... You don't need that much to do it. And oddly enough, I just realized, given my rant against the suburbs, I just realized my, my, my dreams are still fairly suburban. Uh, and traveling and just really leaving a legacy and having a community because the thing is you know um, I don't and that was the last point on this thing I don't work I don't live to work I'm not I got bit by the entrepreneurialitis in 27 2015 2016 and I tried doing that I tried doing what everybody else was doing and it wasn't quite a fit I do have it in me to do I could open companies. I could I could basically create board. You know all those things that people do. I can I can do the type A achievement thing if I wanted to. It really doesn't. No, because it it just doesn't seem. It doesn't appeal to me. It's not what I'm here to do. And what I'm really here to do is really just I'm here to be for the most part. I want to enjoy life. The the that Epicurean type of deal, which is not terribly on vogue right now and, you know, a lot of the time in, in capitalist, late capitalist North America. But it sort of is. It's like this is uh, good food, good wine, friendships, uh, pretty surroundings, being present to the big picture. These are all things that really speak to me and I, I could care less. I mean, that's not to say, let, let me rephrase. I do care what I'm doing. I don't want to work a nine-to-five. The trading time for money thing is... It's a good model if you're freelancing and you're doing something that you enjoy from, you know, in in your own home. So that you have the time to enjoy these things in life. But going into a day job is, has long not been an option for me. Anyway, that sort of came up in the journal. Uh, that's the last one. Uh, last note then, I suppose... Um, this journal, this, this one page took actually maybe 10 minutes to write. The previous day, it was 20 minutes. It's going to be different every day. Once again, if you are raised with that kind of factory mentality, that you should be making words at the same speed and the same rate every day, that's just not going to happen. Some days are harder than others, but the point is that you keep showing up, and that's why I'm doing this exercise, to kind of get me back into the habit of showing up to the page. And um, just like bathing, it's best done daily. <laughs> bathing and motivation, you need them daily, because they don't last. You don't do it once, and it just forever, you never need to bathe again. You never need to get motivated again. That's just not how it works. There's no real outcome orientation much of the time. Your goal may be to write a book, a blog entry, a short story, an essay, whatever, screenplay. And once you've done it, that's a great that's a great achievement and you should celebrate, absolutely. But it doesn't end there. You don't just write, unless you're Harper Lee and even then she didn't 
stop there, not quite. You don't just write one book or one blog or one screenplay much of the time. Anyway, that is all I have for this exercise. I don't even know who's listening or if this even matters to you, but I'm going to keep putting these out there every day. I'm sure they speak to somebody. If you have any questions, if you have any journaling prompts you'd like me to explore for this, topics that you care about, that you want to hear my thoughts about, send me an email at jody at jodyaberdeen.com. Follow me on Facebook at the Ghostwriter and Pup Podcast Facebook page. And... Uh, I'd love to I'd love to explore any topic that you give me if that interests you. Until then, thanks again for listening. Have a wonderful day and I will I will be back tomorrow with another entry.